0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. This class is Faith and Family, and um, if you're if you're kind of new or checking this out, Faith and Family is a class we have every week, and it has to do with like understanding our kids, understanding how to like lead, God care for our kids, and. Um, and also um, how, to, how to disciple them, you know, how to spiritually invest in our own children. And so uh, this series, this is class number two, my favorite, Marty. Um This is class number two of the series that we're doing, and it's three questions every child asks. And so it's based on a, a solid book um, called uh, Three Big question, Questions That Every Teenager, Every that change every teenager, making the most of your conversations and connections. By Kara Powell, and so the three questions that Kara's kind of thesis. Which also say we, we interviewed Kara on the Rooted Parent podcast. If you want to listen to that? Um, and so she says that very often in our kids' lives, when they are anxious or they're acting out or they're being difficult, that uh, or they're like striving. Very often, three there are three questions in play, and. Quite often, they're overlapping. Like more than one question is at play at one time. So, question number one: identity. Who am I? Uh, question number two: belonging. Where do I fit? Question number three: what difference can I make? Like what? What's my purpose in the world? And so, um, so the, the the big point here is is to kind of um, enable us to read between the lines. Last week we talked about how. Understanding people, particularly understanding our children, it's more poetry than it is prose. <laughs> By that I mean, like what our kids are overtly saying um, or the way they're acting. It's it's actually you kind of have to see what's going on below the surface. Um, and you know, prose is like very direct. It says this is this is the deal. It's you know plain and simple. Whereas Poetry is reading between the lines and doing some interpretation of what, what is the meaning below. And so oftentimes, um, so, so that's, that's a big part of being a parent. It's kind of reading the poetry of what is actually going on with our child. Our chi- your child is obsessing about making the volleyball team. Well, is it, it is about making the volleyball team, and it's really probably more a question of belonging. Like, I want to be in this group. I want a group where I fit in. It's a question of identity. If I make the volleyball team, that's kind of impressive to my peers. Um, and purpose, like what do I do? Like I'm an athlete, you know, I, that's something, that's part of how I spend my time. And so that, that's, that's a, essentially what we're trying to do in this series is have a little bit of a framework to read between the lines and below the surface of what's actually going on with our kids. And usually one of these three questions or multiple questions are being engaged. So, um, and so the big thing, one of the big points we made last week in the introduction of the series was, we as human beings, like, we want to answer these questions ourselves. We want to construct our own purpose, construct our own sense of belonging, construct our own identity. In reality, like, we cannot answer the questions, these existential questions, in 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 an even close to a satisfactory manner through our own power, our own wisdom, um, our own self-construction. Th- these are questions that, that God answers for us um, and that 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 yeah that He has conferred upon us. So that's kind of the overview of like what we did last week. And so today we're going to start on purpose. And I do want to say like, you know, on one hand, last week we looked at Genesis one and two, and we looked at the creational mandate. So you know, God makes um, God makes man and woman His own image, male and female. Um, their, um and you know, and then God kind of issues what you call the creational mandate. He says there are three parts of it. He says, "Be fruitful and multiply." So that has to do with having kids, like making more people. <laughs> um, but it also has a, just an evangelism, and discipleship element as well, where it involves. Um, Basically, when he says, uh, be fruitful and multiply, he's saying, fill the earth with people who know and love and worship the Lord God. And so that comes, on one hand, through procreation, having kids, good thing. As I say, max it out. <laughs> um, and, uh, but also it involves evangelism and discipleship, like sharing the gospel with others, seeing that others come to know, know the Lord. Um, then, um, then he says to, uh, to subdue, and to have dominion over creation, so that has to do with kind of like work and vocation and um, bringing order, and, and it's you know stuff like jobs and yard work and washing dishes and stuff like that. That's all a part of that aspect of the creational mandate. So more people uh, work, and then third is Sabbath. Um, on the on the seventh day, he rests, and um, and so the Sabbath is Sabbath and, and worship um, is the other part of it, and so. One thing I will say is we come to this question of purpose, we need to be aware of kind of like the cultural milieu that we come out of, the cultural values and impulses with which we look at this question. So as, and I don't say this critically every, I mean it's just a descriptive matter of what is, but the way that a a person in Africa or Latin America uh, would approach this question is, is, is quite different than uh, an American, particularly white college-educated Americans. Um, when we hear this question of purpose, we think like do performance. You know that's inherent to that question. Um, and there's an aspect to that we see the creational mandate. Um, but uh, really, what we see is um, is actually our our purpose uh, is it's it's a little bit less active. <laughs> It's a little bit less kind of like work and performance oriented. Um, it actually is more relational. And so, that's that, so we're going to look at it for two weeks. There's no Sunday school next week because of the parish meeting. Please go to the parish meeting. That, that's good. Do that, please. I know that's a tempting Sunday to go play golf. But, but please, come to, please come to the parish meeting. Um, but anyhow, when we look at the Westminster Confession of Faith, it says the chief end, so the chief purpose of man uh, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So today we're going to look at the enjoy him forever aspect of it. And, um, you know, this is uh, J.I. Packer. So, so we're going to look at knowing God. Enjoying is kind of like enjoying God in intimate relationship. So, so purpose number one is to know and enjoy God relationally. That is, that is our first fundamental purpose in life. Um, And then the second purpose, to glorify God, that's what we'll do in the next session, but that's the second purpose, and we'll talk about what it means to glorify God. Um, But our first purpose is to know God. So J.I. Packer says in in knowing God, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. So this is J.I. Packer saying that this is your primary purpose, is to know God. Now, I don't know about you, but that feels a little bit disarming um, and kind of contradicts expectations. When I think of purpose, I think of like impact, get things done. Now, some of that is just how I'm programmed. Um, The guy, I have like a, like a 12-page goal sheet for every year. I'm, I, am, I, am, I am built like that. But I would say that that is, for American people, because of the Puritan impulses of our culture, um, that we tend to think about purpose in terms of performance, activity, and impact, rather than your primary purpose is to know God. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, there's a question that um, some... Uh, we, we, I was talking to a friend, and we were talking about false beliefs that we have about God, and uh, and so we said, answer, finish this sentence. I, in my heart of hearts, believe that God will love me more if I finish the sentence. Okay, so that's a good, that's a good little exercise to think about. God would love me more if I. The reality is God, God loves you the same on your best day and your worst day because God loves you because of what Jesus has done. God loves you in relation and response to Jesus' perfect life, his death on the cross. So on your worst day, on your best day, God loves you all the same. He has, he has a permanent sense of pleasure and delight in you. Um, but for me, I finish that sentence by, I think God would love me more if I produce if I produce more, if I can perform more, if I can effectuate greater impact, God will love me more. And then the flip side of that is, if I don't perform and I don't produce, if I'm you know, not a huge producer, not a huge impact person, then God will be dissatisfied with me. Um, and uh, some of you may be able to relate to that, some of you not. So for me to hear that my primary purpose is to know and enjoy God, Cuts against the grain of my expectations, and it's really, um, it's really freeing. It's really, really, uh, really, really um, liberating. Think about, um, think about this. Think about uh, the average day for a um, the average day for a middle school or high school kid. Uh, they pretty much perform all day long. Like, am I right, some, some uh, middle school or high school parents here? Like, their life is like, they're up, they're going, they're going to school. They hit like maybe a 30-minute break at school. Then they might go to sports practice or they go to piano and they go study and they do and they do and they do and they do. So with that being said, to say to a child, your primary purpose is to know and enjoy God that that pretty much conflicts with their lifestyle that conflicts with everything that they kind of see and observe in society and that society is saying so as we think about you know think about application of this lesson think about how freeing it is to say to a child hey look your your primary purpose is actually to know god uh, you are known by god he knows you and your primary purpose is just to know him in response that's real. That's very, very liberating. So let's look at um, let's look at John ten, and John seventeen. These are going to go hand in hand. Um, John ten: The thief comes to rob, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they may have life, and have it to the full. So Jesus says, "My, have, my purpose. I've come that you might have life. You might have abundant life." Well, then he defines what it means to have life in John seventeen, in the high priestly prayer. He says, "Father, the hour has come." I had before uh, before the world began. So so again, he's, Jesus says, my purpose is that you might have eternal life. But then he defines eternal life as knowing God, uh, that they know you and that they know Christ. And so this word where it says glorify your son, that your son may glorify you, th- this word glorify is really important to understand it. I don't know about you guys, but the primary context in which I most of my life have heard the word glorify God is like uh athletes being interviewed after they win. You know, first I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I just want to glorify him with this win today. And um yeah, you don't you don't hear that as much when they lose, right? Um, but yeah, that's here. But the word glorify has like a good way to think about it is this. Good um, work. This is our whole lesson next week. So, but think about this circle. The circle is God, and the blessedness of God is think about arrows pointed towards the center. The blessedness of God is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit uh, enjoying one another within, contained within the Trinity. God is perfectly satisfied, living in relationship with Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect communion. The glory of God. Think about the out the arrows being pointed out. It's God's outward expression of who he is uh, to beings outside himself. So his blessedness is inward expression and enjoyment of himself. His glory is his outward expression uh, that beings outside himself, people, angels, see who he is and enjoy him. Inside, see and enjoy. Blessedness, glory. Outside, see and enjoy. And so when Jesus says, glorify your son, That your son may glorify ye. What he's saying is, God, may your attributes, may your character flow through me that they might be seen and enjoyed by people. And um, and so, so, yeah, and so that is, you know, uh, Torrance, I can't remember if it's Tom Torrance, which Torrance it is, but Tom, I think it's Tom Torrance, wrote a book called uh, Time, Space, and Incarnation. And he talks about the two purposes of Christ. One is to reconcile. So, you know, die on the cross to reconcile sinners to God. And the second purpose is to reveal. To reveal the, the truth of life. To reveal who God truly is. And so, um, and so with that being said, uh, we have abundant life, first and primarily, living into this purpose of knowing God. And, and we are able to know God Because God has revealed himself, has made himself knowable uh, through his word, through creation, and through his son Jesus. Um, And so so knowing God is at the core. All right, so moving on. Next page. Um, We're going to talk about knowing God in, in two different ways. They're both important, but we need to understand what we really mean by knowing God. All right, so first, when your parents pay all this money for you to major in Latin... Then you have to use it to justify all that money they paid for a Latin degree. Um, but so in Latin, any Latin, anybody study Latin here? Any other Latin nerds? Yes, way to go, Miss Plaster so proud of you. Um, scio versus cognosco, and this is true in Spanish as well. But in, uh anybody know the difference between scio to know and cognosco to know? That's it. The saber versus. going to say. There you go. Great. Way to go. Whoever your, whoever your Spanish teacher at Alamo Heights was, she's proud, or he is proud. Either one. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. Your parents paid a lot of money, you just justified it. Great. Um, all right, so... skio is just intellectual knowledge. Cognosco is... There is knowledge, but there's also like personally knowing in relationship. Uh, in fact, Cognosco sometimes has sexual connotations. In Latin, speaking of... like. That level of intimacy. So, with that being said, um, knowing God actually functions at both levels. You have to know who God is intellectually, um, you have to have you know, base knowledge. So, for example, uh, ex- Exodus, and, and this, so this is good uh, Exodus 34, 6 through 7, says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and in transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God is revealing things about himself. This is There is an intellectual dissemination of knowledge here. It is, he is the Lord, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love, he's faithful, um, he's forgiving, and he's also just. He's also just, like he, he, he does not play with sin. And so, um, and so with that being said, like, God is intellectually revealing knowledge about who he is in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Uh, again, Deuteronomy 34, I-, I talked about this in my sermon. The rock, his ways are perfect. All his ways are just. He's faithful. He's without iniquity, just and upright. And so, so on one level, we do have to intellectually know about God. So there's this distinction that J.I. Packer makes and that is there's knowing about God, but there's also knowing God. And so knowing about God has to proceed. How, how can you know a person if you don't know anything about them? And so this is where there's like, this is why, where there's value in, um, you know, like when you read the, the Jesus Storybook Bible or you read the Bible as a family or you listen to a sermon, um, just a, one lens through which to do all those things is to know about who God is. Um, if that's kind of like the only thing your kids learn in terms of like, you know, your religious endeavors, whatever that may be, if they know about the character of God. Like you can you can play winning football just off of that. Need to know the gospel. Need to know about our sin. We need to know about Jesus' work to save us. But just knowing about the attributes and the character of God, like that's probably the single most influential thing in our lives. Like Bill Bill Bright, who was, is that right, isn't that right? The founder of Crew. Bill Bright said, the single biggest determination in your whole life and how you live your life and how you respond to life, how you enjoy your life is what you believe about the character of God. And so if you believe that, you know, God is not very interested in you, that's going to have an impact. If you believe that God is not forgiving and that he's like waiting with a hammer to like bring it down on you, that, that is going to, that's going to create a lot of fear and anxiety in your life. Um, if you uh, if you like don't believe that God is just and holy, that's going to have an impact too on how you how you deal with sin and how you respond to that. So so with that being said, um, knowing about God is good, and that's a starting point. And that's a foundation. Now here's here's a problem, and that is when it doesn't go beyond that, because the knowledge that we have about God is meant to lead us into relationship uh, into intimate relationship. We said that, you know, primary purpose is to know God. And what we mean by that is to have intimate relationship with God. So James two, when James, James says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So he's making the point that like, Hey, like even, even the demons, even the devils, they have, even the devil has like a, a clear intellectual knowledge about the character of God. But they certainly don't love or worship God. They're certainly not, you know, within the salvation of God. And so there's the point here that, like, it, it must go beyond just head knowledge. We want This is to, meant to translate into personal relationship. Matthew 7, 21 23. Uh, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many... Mighty works in your name. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, your workers, you, you workers of lawlessness. Um, yeah, he's basically saying, he's kind of really making this point here about God is less interested in our performance and our impact, and he's more interested in knowing us. Um, and so uh, I will say it is to kind of introduce this to our kids It really does cut against the grain of their day-to-day experience uh, and what they, kind of the, um, what's the word, kind of the, the rat race that they're kind of inherently living in. And so, um, so with that being said, since it is so unnatural, um, it's something that we kind of want to repeat over and over again. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's a really good point. Oh, I think that we have to, um, can you tell me more about Contradict That? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's great. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's very helpful. And I think that's probably something we're all kind of thinking. Um, so a couple things I would say is um, values are, are more caught than taught. So I do think we kind of have to examine ourselves, like what we're modeling in terms of um, yeah, and, and what we're modeling in terms of knowing knowing the Lord and relationship ourselves. I think that um, uh, th- I think that's sorry. This, I mean, for this, I I know this is really hard. This is pretty close to impossible if you have babies. So give yourself a pass if you're in the baby mode. They do, I promise, you'll come out of it. Um, But it is, um, even if it's just a short amount of time, that's why I think it's good to try to start your day with just some time with the Lord, even if it's just like five minutes. Um, Because that, I mean, we do, we live in a real world. You know, we have to go to work. We have to do our jobs. God's not honored by being a bad steward of your job. God's not honored by being a, a lazy and um, you know not diligent student or athlete or whatever you're a part of. You know that's that is part of our purpose. But I think that purpose of subduing and having dominion flows out of this first purpose of knowing God. I think what you can see, and this is this is my interpretation. As some, someone might disagree with me. You can see this flow in Genesis 1, uh, yeah, Genesis one where, God, where mankind is made in the image of God. And um, is made in the image of God and made in the likeness of God. And God is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who knows each other perfectly. And so that right there, I think, is the most fundamental, is the, that we're made to know God. And then comes the creational mandate. So, the subduing and the procreating and the Sabbath like flows out of is an outpouring of is informed by fueled by the knowing God first um, yeah, and so i yeah, I do think that kind of um, starting days and some in some kind of prayer some something to just engage the Lord relationally is a is a good thing to model yes, experienced parent, come on home yeah. The man, the man with children in their 20s and with children in diapers. I think that they're... Sorry, I think there's also value just like saying a prayer for your kids when you drop them off at school. Um, as, a, as a means too of like, before we enter in, like, we're knowing the Lord in prayer. Um, but I think we have to be really careful going to what Marshall said of, like, um, modeling is good, modeling is important. We do want to be introspective and recognizing that... Uh, we can put ourselves under intense condemnation. <laughs> if we uphold ourselves as I have to be the ultimate model, um, we put ourselves in the place of Christ. So there's a tension, you know, there's a tension of that kind of repentance and that trusting in God's power to help us be a good model, I should say. Okay, uh, any other questions? Okay, so last thing here. Uh, oh, I'll just, this is this, this J.I. Packer quote. Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. So he's talking about the intellectual part. As it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly to London, put him down without explanation in Trafalgar Square, and leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself, so we are cruel to ourselves. If we try to live in this world without knowing the God, whose world it is and who runs it, the world becomes a strange, mad, painful place, and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfold, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. So, um anyhow, all right, so then moving into the next part. So we said knowing about God, and then we said knowing God relationally. Jesus says in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Abide means to, to cultivate and foster intimate fellowship. That's what abide means. Uh, it can mean to dwell in, um, you know, to dwell in, to reside in. Uh, but the kind of, when you get down to it, it's, it's abiding is resting in Christ, cultivating intimate relationship. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, that it is who bears much fruit. For apart from you, you can do nothing. Um, and then, uh, Jeremiah 9, 2324. That says the Lord... Sorry, I think, I, think, I think that, like John 15, is kind of like the baseline of the whole thing. In terms of, like, practically, how do I respond to the gospel... It's like, I abide in the vine. I cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. And then I can just kind of live out of that. Um, that uh, Yeah, I think that's that to, that to me is the um, ground zero. All right, so then purpose, knowing God in both ways. Jeremiah nine twenty 4 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands... And knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Um, notice that he understands, so there's like a knowledge, an intellectual knowledge of God, understands him and his ways. But there's also a personal relationship. And I think that a good way to, um, this is I think this is really liberating to think about it like this. For most of us, like, um, what is it we really want from our kids? What do we want in our relationship with our kids? Like we want to have a relationship with them, right? Uh, or is it, does it sound terribly, a terribly satisfying parental experience that you know, your child is like a rock star in every regard, they perform in every way, but like, you'd never have any kind of conversation with them? Or you don't know them, you don't know about their life, they don't know about your life, you don't know their heart and vice versa? It's not terribly satisfying. I think it's very freeing to know that that is that's how God that's how God that's what really what God um, that's what God is interested in us he wants a relationship with us he's more interested in us and our heart uh, than he is in our performance and um, and I think that there can really be just like a gravitational pull as a parent that we start to put yourself under a tremendous amount of pressure to like what God wants me to do here is to produce an excellent, wonderful, morally perfect child and start to then you know, sit in the seat of God um, and start to then think that what God values in you is, is your performance and your work rather than you and your heart. And, um, and so uh, that can be a really liberating thing as a parent, just to know that that's what God is most interested in is you. And, I mean, like, on the parenting thing, sure, we, like, try our best. Do our, you know, we do our best. Every every parent, every parent's doing their best. Like, I taught taught in the inner city where, you know, people were so poor, you know. And I I have a friend, and he had the same experience. And, like, we both say every parent is trying their hardest with the resources that they have. Um, And so, with that all being said, uh, God is more interested in us as people than he is in our performance. Um, and so so last things here, practical things, um, is uh, it is practically valuable to learn about the attributes of who God is, um, according to his word, but also just books. There, there's a, a book, The Attributes of God. It's the same title, a little intellectual property issue here. Um, the Attributes of God by Pink, The Attributes of God by Tozer, they're both good books. And it's just really good to it's just good to know these attributes according to the Bible, Um, Second thing, it is, uh, by the way, it's a cute story. I know i just an awesome parent, uh, someone who's just great. I really look up to her. And so her daughter, when she was like little, she was like elementary school age, when she'd be having a tough time, she would say, go get in the bathtub, go get a hot bath, and I want you to sit in the bathtub and I just want you to say everything you know to be true about God. Which I thought was like super, so it's like really, you know, sounds really simple and, but like really beautiful, you know, that like the child's having a hard time, and what did the parent point, what did the parent point the child to? It's like who's God? Just just worry about who God is. Um, so there's that. Second, um, frequently making the distinction that Christianity is first a personal relationship with God and not just a cultural religious ritual. I think always bringing it back, we can really, I mean, I don't know. I, I heard this a lot growing up, that this is not, it's not about going to church. I mean, going to church is, is good. And, like, all of this functions for the sake of intimate relationship with God. That's the whole point. Like, the gospel is a means to an end. The gospel is a means to an end to bring us into relationship with God. Um, and that is key. And we, um, my wife and I got together with a young adult recently. He grew up very, 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 very religious, like religious school, Church every week, and did not know really until this year. She's like 23. Didn't know this year. No, 24. Didn't know this year that Christianity was about a relationship with God. She saw it as just something ritualistic that was to produce morality, and um, and so that's man, that that's something to drill. Um, And then I think just reiterating to your child, like our primary purpose is to know God. I think that's really freeing because there's no, in knowing God, that's uh, that's a life-giving thing, and there's not performance expectation in that. And they live under so much performance expectation to know that actually what's more important is that you know the Lord, that you have a relationship with the Lord. I think that can be really, really, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. I think that can be really helpful for kids. So, uh, three minutes left. Anybody like China? Anybody with more wisdom? That's, that's great. And You can't trust God unless you're operating, unless you know him. We used to do this um, trip, the mystery trip. You might have a child who went on the mystery trip. The mystery trip was wild as Friday night. Uh, It was like two nights. We'd leave on a Monday morning. We'd get back on a Wednesday night. We'd go to Dallas and back, uh, Chicago and back. And like, I don't know how in the world, nothing bad happened. It was purely the grace of God. I look back, I'm like, that was the craziest, stupidest thing I ever did. Um, but it was awesome. But what we'd say, is so funny, the point of it, and we'd start with the attributes of God. We'd do, like, we'd do all these short devotionals in the bus and then um, we'd stop and do devotionals you know, and, and because we were driving like 1,500 miles in three days. But um, we, start with the, we started with the character of God and the, the image we would use was, hey, look, you, they, the kids didn't know where they were going at any point. They didn't know we were going to Chicago. They didn't know we were going to Dallas. We didn't tell them. They just like showed up they just like oh what do you know it's the it's the skyline of Chicago, and um, so I mean it was really fun. But um, but we'd say to them over and over again like you got into a van having no idea where the van was going, and then we'd say what if a man pulled up with a van and his name was, he said hey my name's Steve we used to and, and so this spiraled into this fictitious character. Steve the pedophile. And, um, (laughs) and, um, I know, it's so funny. Youth ministry, wow. Anyhow, so, um, but like, if some some random man came and said, hey, my name's Steve, get in my van, we're going to go somewhere fun, would you get in the car with Steve? And they're like, no, we're like, why? And they all go, because he's probably a pedophile. <laughs> and so we're like, why are you getting in the van with us? Like, well, we, you know, we know you. And it's like, yeah, right. You're not going to give over control to something that, to someone who you don't know personally. Right. And so, um, and so that's why we start with the character of God on the trip was to say, hey, like God is in control. Like he is loving. He, he cares about you. You know, he's kind, he's empathetic, all these kind of things and it was a really cool kind of like experiential learning experience that nearly drove me to a nervous breakdown every july um but anyhow so yeah good good word uh we're out of time uh if anybody wants to chitty chat after happy to do so thanks for being here let me pray for us god thanks for um thanks that we can know you thank you jesus for um, revealing revealing your the goodness of god in your life and your personhood and thank you god for your word it reveals that and um lord you know teach us how to know you more um bless us with pockets uh to abide in you and and we pray the same for our kids that 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 our kids could could hear and internalize that as a primary purpose that you're you're, you're less interested in our you're, you're not terribly interested in our performance you're more interested in in us and our hearts so we trust you lord I ask you prayers in jesus name amen